HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Ben to Table, a monthly food subscription service for avid home cooks focused on delicious and sustainable pantry items. Learn more at bentotable.com. That's B-E-N-T-O-T-A-B-L-E.com. And when you use code HRN for a new subscription, you get $20 off and HRN gets $10. Nastasia, you do it. And Nastasia, from that moment on, normally has stopped listening. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live somewhere from my house, the Lower East Side. Nastasia, where are you? Are you? Uh, where are you? Are you in? Are you in Connecticut? Are you in New York? I'm in Hell's Kitchen. You're uh, in Hell's Kitchen, Hell's and we got uh, we got Matt. Where are you? You're in like something like I'm Park Slope or something. Still, still in Rhode Island. Oh, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, Rhode Island, yeah. 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 Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. Uh, what's the full name of your uh, state there? It's, <laughs> it's not my state, so I just know that it has a very long name. I do not remember. It's, it's something the, along what you just said. It's the smallest state with the longest largest, name. the longest name. It's like one yeah, of those. I love it. Whereas Delaware... I like to refer to it as the not even state because it's not even the smallest. It's not even Rhode Island. It's just like, yeah. hi, we're the forty, we're the forty ninth state by size, but they have no tax, so they have that. They should cleave. They should cleave off a portion of it to, you know, get ahead of us. What did Delaware? Do you think Delaware should get rid yeah. of some of it? The, yeah, they should get rid of some. How there's got to be some pieces of Delaware that don't matter. Cut them off. Get smaller. You know, I've never spent an evening in Delaware. I've never spent an evening. Nastasia, have you ever spent an evening in Delaware? No. No, I haven't. Math, Matthew, you've spent an evening? I've spent been, I don't think so. I've been to the Dogfish Head Brewery in Delaware while driving through, but it's kind of a drive-through state, you know? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's nice. Don't Doesn't it border the Chesapeake there? Isn't there, like, nice river stuff there? Isn't there nice, oh. like... What? Yeah. I just remembered I spent three days on a golf course in Delaware because that's where somebody chose to do their wedding. Oh. Yeah. How was that? Don't recommend that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> no? You're not a, you're not a golfer? Mean, well, driving the golf carts was great. I was all about that. And they're the I, only mode, of, they're the main mode of transportation. But other than I, that, yeah, I do like golf carts. So uh, my sister-in-law, Miley Carpenter, who runs the is Food Network magazine, she launched and runs the Food Network magazine. I had a long illustrious career in food journalism prior to that, and uh, you know my brother-in-law, Wiley Dufresne, well-known chef and now currently donut magnate. They are a they're a firm believer in the golf cart. They love a golf cart. Yeah, I mean, it was it was especially a novelty for Kate because she, my wife, does not know how to drive; is not licensed to drive, so right. she got to just tool around. Did you just do the? Did you just do the Borat, my wife? You did. You did the Borat. My wife. My, God. I I was raised on that. I don't I don't even know how to say my wife without without Boratting it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, Borat. I don't want to offend anyone out there. I hate that movie. I think that, I think that. Look, Sasha Baron Cohen. I think he's like an extremely talented. My Dax, my son Dax, just ran into the room saying that I'm a bad person because he. You can see he, they can hear you. You just can't hear them. You think Borat's the greatest movie ever made? Yeah. Right here, Dax. Come on, come over here so they can hear you. 
You think that Borat's the greatest movie ever, right? I mean, it's funny, but it's some messed up stuff, so... It's mean-spirited. See, I think someone your age, it's like, you know, a teenager doesn't understand the mean-spirited nature of that program. It, the humor is entirely mean-spirited. That's why I don't like it. Like, it, it, he's mean-spirited towards other people. If he was just being mean-spirited towards himself and his friends, I mean, that's one thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's uh-huh. true, like, you know, that's just my, that's just my, my take on it. And what do you think, Stas? you like that stuff? I don't really remember it that well. Um... I thought it was okay. I mean, yeah, it's mean-spirited, but it still made me laugh a lot. Mm, Dax is like, it was mean-spirited, but made me laugh a lot. Like, that's a good... Uh, <laughs> anyway. I have never... I've definitely never seen the actual movie. I've seen... What was it? The Ali G show. That was where the character came up, right? So. Uh, well, yeah, he just does... You know, whatever. Whatever. Like I say, I think he's very talented. Yeah. I think that stuff's mean-spirited. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, so, what, you know, Anastasia, you should get yourself a golf cart. You can get them real cheap. I'm not really spending money right now, so. Well, no one is. We're, lo- we're locked in rooms. We don't have any stuff. But I'm saying, you could know. go. But, like, this, this seems like the kind of thing you would go. You own a car. Just trade it for a golf cart. Imagine if you drove a golf cart oh, on I-95. Listen, yeah. you, you'd get there quicker. You'd get, if you drove from your house... Me. On, no, it's not legal, but you definitely get there quicker. You go right along the right along the uh, the shoulder. For those of you that don't know, the corridor between where Nastasia's place is in Connecticut and New York City is just—I mean, Nastasia comes from LA, so she's used to bad traffic. But like, that is like the worst chunk of road in in a hundred mile radius from here, probably I ninety five, right? I mean, it's just garbage all the time, garbage. Yeah, but now it only takes me 42 minutes door-to-door because there's nobody on the road. Oh, everyone just staying home, huh? Yeah. Speaking of, this is the... I did did two hours and 58 minutes from Newport to my apartment in Brooklyn the other day. That's a land speed record. Yeah? Do you, like, not worry about speeding? Are the cops out getting... I have not left my house other than to walk my dogs in a week. I'm on the second... Starting my second week of self-quarantine because I've I felt sick, so I just haven't gone out, haven't gone shopping, haven't done any of that stuff. So I'm totally, yeah. you know, I'm totally disconnect. I've started to like disconnect myself from reality here at this point. So that's me. By the way, speaking of this, let's talk. Let's talk Corona for a second. Thanks everyone who supported the uh, the uh, GoFundMe for the staff at uh, Existing Conditions. By the way, once that's done, that's going to be split equally among all of the people that we had to. Um, unfortunately lay off speaking of this Nastasia, have you heard that uh jose andres uh is continuing to pay staff in uh dc even though the restaurant shut down that's yeah. awesome I, I wish we could i wish we could afford to do that uh that's you know fantastic i you know we're gonna definitely need some uh help going forward but uh i mean we as an industry um here's something i thought of uh next time this happens I'm going to be so much better prepared in terms of my kind of disaster preparedness food situation. Like back after 9-11, we started having what, what we call like terror supplies at home. And then, but with something like this, you never know when you're going to just have to be locked into your house for a couple of weeks at a time. I would have planned much better. You know, Nastasi, you have a lot of pasta. Yeah. So you're, you're set for yeah, pasta. Yeah, but one thing that I've stopped eating is is what? Is meat? I stopped eating meat? meat and chicken. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Because you don't have it. I just I found it really gross. Like just really gross. After like five days. What do you mean? A sit. And then just having like this raw animal, like I was just like this is gross. So, yeah, just not eating it. Huh. Hold on, hold on. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my head around this. So it's like the you're saying that the raw product is staying in your fridge too long, and so you're looking at it and you're like, "That's gross. You should freeze it." But then I have to thaw it, and then. All right, like- let, let's let's talk about this. This is a good point. This is a good point. This is a good point. Nastasia brings up a good point here. The tr- the trick of this, and what I'm going to do the next time around. Or before the next time around. Here's the issue. Let's say you go out. Let's say you're going to go full prepper, right? Let's say you're going to go full Mormon prepper. And let's say you have a basement because, of course, you do. 
and you have like a year's worth of food in 55 gallon drums like you know nu- nuclear armageddon style in your basement the issue with this is everything has a finite lifespan right so the the what people do is you look on you're like what canned goods can last for x number of years blah 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 and then you end up with a bunch of canned and dry goods that are steadily turning to garbage in your pantry right or in your fridge or you have a whole bunch of chicken and since everyone else in your family got vaporized in the armageddon or if you're like nastasia you're just cooking for yourself anyway then you, you know, you have all of this stuff and you don't want, you can't thaw out an entire big block of it if it's only, you're only eating that one piece of chicken that night, right? So what to do? First of all, invest in freezing individual portion controls. So as soon as you get the products that you get, take them down into individual portions. I know it seems a little bit wasteful, but you're going to be saving in the long run. Put them into quart size or smaller quart size uh, Ziploc bags, exclude the air using the water technique, which you can see on the Cooking Issues blog if it still exists somewhere on how to package. Uh, it's also, everyone else has it now. Uh, you, you put it, you get the air out of it, and then you freeze the individual packs. Those individual packs can be thawed in uh, running water in your sink in under 25 minutes. They're good to go. And now some of it can even be cooked from frozen and have it be uh, passable. So, uh, so that's step, step one right there with your frozen stuff so that you're not staring as Nastasia had at a bunch of stuff. And then when you have that stuff there, you think you're going to use it. You think people are going to come over. They're not going to come over because either you're quarantined or they've been, you know, already vaporized in a different kind of Armageddon. So anyway, so you have that. The second thing is, and this is what I'm going to do the next time around, is I am going to buy... Uh, my supply of food and then every year I'm going to make sure everything is good for two years minimum and then every year I'm going to donate all of it to a food pantry and buy it fresh. This way I always have a year of uh, shelf life left on my stuff. I'm not donating expired food to people and yet I don't have to live off of my terror supplies on a normal basis. That's going to be my plan going forward. My terror slash pandemic supplies. So uh, what I've run out of is because I live in a New York City apartment and I have extremely limited freezer space is I have run out of vegetables. That's the main thing I've run out of is veg. But whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, should we do some questions? Uh, Yeah, um, and Elvin, there are actually a couple in the chat that I didn't see until now. Uh, Elvin had a small logistics question about existing conditions. In addition to the GoFundMe, are there any other good ways to directly help the bar and staff? Uh, he tried to find some kind of gift card page, but wasn't able to find one. Any thoughts? Don Lee is uh, working on that, um, uh, on the gift card aspect. So for right now, you know, the GoFundMe, which is going to go directly to the staff that's laid off and it's, we're we're dividing it um i'm pretty sure we're just dividing it on an equal basis so we're not trying to you know play favorites with that or anything like that it's just going to be divided up and handed to the staff that um was laid off and you know uh as for anything else we haven't started delivery yet because we're still setting up the uh seamless stuff i won't be able to personally help with delivery until minimum um monday um because I shouldn't be handing people food, right? Uh, because I'm on self-quarantine. So other than yep. that, yeah, other than that, I don't know. But uh, stay tuned to the existing conditions. Uh, stay tuned to the existing conditions uh, Instagram. And, you know, anything that we're doing is going to go up on that. Um, what else you got in the chat room there, Matt? Uh, let's see. So bread baking physics question from Wally. Uh, Please explain to me again how a pot of water at 99C on the bottom shelf in the preheated convection oven is different than injecting steam at the beginning of my bake. I'm planning to run a silicone tube for my pressure cooker vent to the oven, but why would that be a good idea or not? Thanks. First of all, anytime anyone says tube and I'm on earphones like this, I can only think of uh, Senator, what was his name, Stevens from Alaska, talking about the internet being a series of, t- it's a series of tubes! It's a so, series of tubes. It's a series of tubes. 
uh, over which we're now uh, we're now talking. Uh, so here's the difference: uh, when you put a pan of water in the oven, you are um, taking a big chunk of the thermal load. So if you were to measure, uh, well, I've only measured it in a toaster oven because it's the only thing I can adequately measure the heat, uh, the uh, energy input on. But the energy input into my Breville toaster oven uh, with a full pan of water in it versus not is a a lot, lot higher. Uh, So you're dumping a lot of the thermal energy in. So, uh, and that's not necessarily... That you wouldn't think alone is going to necessarily change, you know, the dynamics of what's going on in the oven. But if you're expecting there to be a big heat wallop other than the steam uh, available to you to to do something like, let's say, heat a pizza stone or whatnot, you would be mistaken because, in fact, you're heating up that water and that water then is probably keeping that pizza stone at a lower overall temperature than it would be uh, otherwise. That's my guess. Now, whereas if you make the steam in a separate thing and then inject it, right, you're only injecting the steam. You're not really affecting the temperature of the, uh, or the, I should say, the dynamics of the oven that much. And even if you were to do what a lot of people do do, which is drip water in and vaporize it in the oven, that extra heat load is only there for the time where you're vaporizing it as opposed to being in there on a constant basis, right? So you're spending all of this uh, energy keeping this like big pot of water hot and vaporizing a lot of water, right? as opposed to just injecting the steam when you want it and then having the steam take away. So I guess that would be the difference. That's just my guess. That makes sense. How are people... I'm having a hard time visualizing this, though. How how is he going to be injecting steam from the pressure cooker like on a consistent basis into his functioning oven? Well, what I've always wanted to do is run a water line like along the bottom of the oven, let's say, and then you just turn the water on from an outside reservoir when you want it, and that would vaporize the steam. Now, you'd be using the oven energy, like I said before, but typically, like especially a gas oven, has excess energy. So you'd heat up the you'd heat up the stone or whatever else you're using, the, 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 st- the steel piece, then you'd inject water into a part of the oven that doesn't matter as much, the bottom, let's say, and, and then that you'd use the excess energy from that to vaporize the steam. The steam would go, and then uh, you know, you'd, you'd have your, your, your thing. So, I mean, I assume that would be slightly different. Who is enjoying a delicious, crunchy snack during the radio show? Oh, my God, you can hear that? Of yeah, course. I would... <laughs> I was trying to chew. I th- I thought there was no way. All right, fine. Yeah. All right. I have to say, Stas, I thought it was going to be you. Well, I, I thought it was going to be so, you. I was. It was closed mouth. I'm two feet from the frigging computer. I'm I'm amazed. It's fine. Everything's right, great. So, all right. So listen, well, listen. You have listen, to listen. remember, Matt. This this system is better than uh, than the setup in Bushwick. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, listen. <laughs> If people have been telling me, listen, listen, listen. So I have been told, so I, I took the 23andMe and Nastasia took the 23andMe. They, by the way, they gave you the ability to look at your, at the, at the updated records, right, Stas? Anyway, whatever. Yeah, so like Nastasia was an extremely early adopter, giving her genetic information to the 23andMe Corporation. I was a late adopter. Only after it became apparent that they were stealing my genetic data and using it for nefarious purposes did I give it to them because that's when it became interesting to me. Uh, but <laughs> the uh, – so anyway, so uh, apparently like some of us are more genetically disposed to hating the sound of crunching – people crunching. People in my family sit and eat and crunch things constantly. Constantly. I can't stand it. It's like it's like I want to soak every crunchy snack in this house in water for like a year so that it turns to just a sopping wet thing so I don't have to hear it. It's like, <laughs> Nastasia, I know you're with me on this. Like, yeah. is there anything worse? Let's say, Nastasia, Nastasia, let's say Let's go back a month and pretend that you're at one of the gala- gatherings that you usually cook for when we're not in Corona times, right? So you're, you're back there and you're sitting there and you're cooking, right? And someone walks up behind you. You hear the rustle of the freaking pack. It's so plastic, <laughs> crunchy oh, pack. Yeah, nobody would do that. Open nope. up and then they're eating a chip or something behind your no, dang no. head when you're cooking. You'd punch yeah. them. But that's why you put 
head cheese plate out so that they're not near you ever. Right. Also, you know, it's like worse than hearing somebody chew. Complete silence. Oh yeah, I mean that's what you get now. That's what, like right. That's what you have now. Complete silence. You have to that's like, uh, yeah. Nastasia is gonna like hi- like Nastasia will pay you to ramble on live in the background so that she doesn't <laughs> so have to deal with. When I was waiting for this show to happen, and you were like upset. I well, we could know. all hear you. We were waiting. We were also waiting for the show to happen. But in order there for the show to happen, you have to stop listening to your stuff. There anyway. was a confusing technical situation. It's fine. Don't worry. I'm so yeah. I'm soaking my chips. All right. I'm soaking yeah, them in water. Yeah. Everything's great. So I have been told that among the other things that I'm a bad person for is ext- how extremely intolerant I am of crunching. But I especially hate crunching when I'm not eating. If I'm not eating, right, and other people are crunching, what's worse than that, Nastasia? Well, but. Again, Dave, you you have people over. You put the cheese plate out. You expect to not eat because you're cooking and they're eating, and you let's eat. Let's just um, let's take it to a different scenario. Let's say that there's a certain life coach who most of the time lives in Mexico, and she's staying in your house. Let's say, right? <laughs> and you're and you're reading something. You're trying to read something. You're like reading, and already the already like if you're in New York, right? New York is so intensely irritating like like every second there'll be some freaking jackhammer outside to take you away and you have to reread that sentence 85 times. And then a certain life coach sits down and it could be on the other side of the room and all you hear is <coughs> First of all, you're hungry, but you're not eating, right? You're you're hungry. What she you're- does, she does the finger flick. So she puts her hand in, she eats the, let's say, chips, and then she flicks all five fingers with the salt and the on the fingers, like, sorry, onto the floor or like onto the, into the ether, you know, that. Oh my God. Oh, jeez, 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 jeez. Listen, if you are with somebody else in the house and it's quiet time and it's quiet time, right? Don't eat crunchy food. Eat crunchy food on your own or in a non-quiet environment. Put on some put on some music. I always right? have music on, so that that yeah. Music helps the crunch for sure, for sure. Music helps the crunch, but this is why Nastasia doesn't go to movie theaters. Yes, that is true. And I know for a fact, right, that it, it, here's the thing: if you're gonna sneak, well, there's no movies now. But if you were like when movie theaters open up again, and you go to a movie theater, like have the decency to bring stuff in non-crinkly packaging, right? Right. If you're going to sneak food in, I get it. You're going to sneak food in. Have some decency. No crackling. Right, Stas? I told Human you that decency. and you were like, hey, you're crazy. And then you went to see the movie and you were like, wow. Well, it's because I hadn't been to a movie in so long, you know, that when I finally went to a movie, anyway. All right. Did you have any more questions in the chat or should I go to some of our we, preset we- questions? Uh, we have, we have one that just came in. Uh, can I prepare in advance portions of chicken breast complete with spices and oil, uh, sealed in a zippy and frozen with the intention of going straight from the freezer to a low temp water bath? Mm, Yeah. 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 Yes. The answer to this is yes. However, (laughs) shortest answer of all time. Yeah, I mean, uh, de- depending on the salt level that you use, you're going to get some textural changes, but usually those textural changes aren't hated in uh, chicken. So, so there you have it. Hey, has, uh, have you have have either of you been to this uh, this uh, takeout like Southern chicken salad rest uh, chicken salad restaurant that's only open six days a week? Have you heard about it? I heard an NPR show on it. I wish I could remember the name of it. Have either of you been to it? Haven't heard of it. Mm. Crazy story. Crazy story. Woman woman starts a woman starts a chicken salad like doesn't want to like she has her kids. She wants to do something with chicken salad. She starts this restaurant which then becomes franchise. She gets well she gets divorced, finds another person who's interested in chicken salad. They get married. They have a franchise. This guy gets cancer, dies. She starts a foundation to help people with cancer with the chicken salad. And still sells chicken. I mean, like it sounds like a crazy story, but the reason I was interested is she uses a none of that. Who cares about that stuff, right? No, she uses a <laughs> uh, 
a boiled chicken, or she calls it boiled, but I'm sure it's not boiled, boiled, a boiled chicken versus a roast chicken for a chicken salad. And this is the way that Jacques Pepin makes his chicken salad, which is also the way he was taught by famous uh, actor, but also conductor and food uh, bon vivant, Danny Kaye. So uh, like Jacques Pepin, in a Classics in the Field I did a long time ago, his 80s Knopf series, has a uh, chicken salad a la Danny Kay uh, recipe in it where the trick is you take the chicken, you cut it up. You I can't remember whether he makes like a like a – he starts with water, but I usually do it with chicken stock because why not? You know, cheap chicken stock. You put the veg and the chicken into the pot. Like you pack it with chicken. Pack it with chicken and just enough liquid around to like take up space. And then you bring it up to the boil – Put the lid on it and then let it ride. The whole chicken cooks through without getting too overcooked. You reinforce the broth because you started with the broth. It doesn't reduce the flavor of the chicken that much. And that is how Danny Kay slash Jacques Pepin makes his chicken salad. Sounds very similar to the way this lady makes her chicken for her chicken salad. So there you have it. I, I love a chicken salad and I know for a fact that Nastasia has a lot of raw chicken in her fridge right now that she's not eating. All I have is tofu, seitan vegetables, beans. You don't strike me as a Satan person. What happened there? You just decided to go Satan? I just decided to go non-meat. Yeah, but why? Well, like, you went from never buying that stuff. What, what, you, what kind of tofu did you get? I only, I don't like silky. I got hard or whatever. It's firm. Firm? What do you do with it? But how, like, how do you purchase it? You're just getting it at the supermarket? Yeah. What yes. are you doing with it? I've been putting it in oil and then putting it in the oven, finishing it in the oven. There's yeah. like a lot of it's marinated. Some of it's marinated. It's good. Yeah. Uh, now is a good time if you're trapped at home. If you have soybeans and you already have some coagulant, making tofu is in fact a lot of fun and not that hard. It's messy. I'm not gonna. I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't messy. But it's not that hard and. The tofu you get when you make it yourself is just, I mean, it's just, to me, it's a different product from the stuff you get in the stores because it's never been, it's never been soaked in water. You know, it's just like, it's very kind of like taste of itself and like has kind of a really cool texture to it. So I would recommend, and if you uh, are on Amazon, you can either get the classics in the field that we did a couple of weeks ago on the book of uh, Shirtleaf's uh, book of uh, soy, uh, tofu, and miso, or you can get uh, Andrea Nguyen's uh, Asian tofu book, with, which has perfectly good recipes on how to make tofu and go from there. But making tofu is definitely something to do if you have a lot of time on your hands. Speaking of, Dax wants to learn how to make brioche. That's what he wants to do. I'm like, Dax, why don't you choose a bread that doesn't take so many eggs and so much butter? You know, because like that's the stuff I'm going to run out of. We're going to go through pounds and pounds and pounds of butter. You know, he already every week I have to make Liege waffles for the kid. And then he's also going to eat the brioche on top of it. I'm like, oh, I'll God. give you what? I'll just give you, I'll give you like a, a gallon of oil. You can just chug a gallon of oil if you want that much butter. Anyway. Uh, uh, we we should we should go to break and then we do have a very very we have a doozy of a question that I need to get to from the chat. All right, so then when we come back though, you want to do the classics in the field or not? All right, come right back. The classics in the field. This episode is brought to you by Ben to Table, a monthly food subscription service for avid home cooks focused on delicious and sustainable pantry items. Level up your pantry. Bend to Table is kind of like Stitch Fix, but for your pantry. Monthly upgrades that over time transform the ingredients at a home cook's disposal. What is Stitch Fix? You get clothing sent to your house. The three different subscriptions provide very different options. First box, pantry essentials. Incredible dry staples each month. The Global Delicacies box, a way to explore the cuisine of a different country and culture. The Bend to Table box includes both pantry essentials and global delicacies. By purchasing any subscription, you'll help sustainable, well-produced ingredients and small producers. Hey, Nastasia, we're getting boxes. Start your monthly subscription at bentotable.com. That's B-E-N-T-O-T-A-B-L-E.com. Use the discount code HRN to get $20 off a new subscription, and Bend to Table will donate $10 to support cooking issues and all of HRN's programming. So, Nastasia, you would never consider making your own tofu, right? Not interested? Not interested. 
Actually, I'm not. I'm not even interested in cooking anymore. Like, I just. It's just like eating food right now. You want to wait? So you've you've like as a result of this, you've become one of those human cows that just sits there chewing on their cud, not caring. No, I barely eat. Like, I'm like, what what ritual? You know, am I celebrating right now? Like, it's just me. Um, that is true. Like, that's the that's the worst aspect and I of it. I mean, other people that are like, "Oh my god, I'm so happy to be with you know whoever they live with," and they're like, "We're gonna try out like his grandmother's recipe for the first." I'm like, "Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna eat. <laughs> I'm gonna eat a block of tofu." Yeah. You're like, you're like, you're like, I'm just gonna I'm gonna soak it in neutral oil because I don't deserve flavor. Yeah. I'm gonna that's sustenance it. Maybe I'll salt it. Maybe I won't. I guess I need electrolytes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's rough. That's rough. I don't even know if I, you know what, man? I don't know if I can do classics off of that because I'm just feeling so it's rough from, this, from Nastasia's sustenance. Oh, by the way, if you hear piano in the background, that, I guess it, that means it's time for Booker's music class. Uh, that he's in the, in, in, the, uh, in the other room. And uh, he hasn't, so he, his violin broke. We handed it to Sam Ash, and then I wasn't able to go pick it up uh, to get it fixed. So now he's playing quote unquote piano in his room. So there, there, that's, what, that's what that is. All right, so I'll do some. Wait, what was the doozy of a question you had me, Matt? Because I have some questions wait, I got to answer. You, are, you, are you legit? We're not doing the classics? I can't. Now? I can't. I got to do, do it afterwards. I can't, you, I can't get all excited for classics in the field. Classics in the field that's about like mental health or self care or something. I shower and wash my hair unlike a lot of other people and I've been like getting dressed and I make my bed so like that's not a problem it's just I, I have not yet done cooking issues in my chonies because I have to walk the dogs before the show <laughs> so this is well, a listeners listeners you can look forward to that someday I'm sure you'll yeah. feel the difference just so uh, you can right, just hi. so you can picture it you are listening to a and Nastasia has showered she has clean hair I can't I don't yeah. know about you Matt but as far as I'm aware, you are listening to a fully clothed production of Cooking Issues. I mean, everyone knows I'm always fully clothed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but anyway, anyway. All right. Blair Gillespie Smith uh, says, hi and hello from Poland. I'm putting some work into an espresso concentrate to be stored in individual. It's oh, didn't we do this? Happy. Didn't we do this last week? Oh, wait. Oh, oh, that's the same espresso. Co okay. Of course, it's the same espresso thing. Yeah. All right. Sure. My bad. Nah. All right, but wait, why? It only came in three days ago. I don't know. Maybe they haven't listened to the one from uh, last week. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's all right. It was about trying to prevent the overextraction of residual solids and oxidation. Yeah, but I said I didn't think it was the residual solids. It's a, it's other issues. Okay, this person must have just submitted the same question afterwards. All right, great. Hey, Blair, uh, listen to last week's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All <laughs> um, right. Also, very, on, on a nicer note, they thank you for quite literally changing the course of their life through this podcast a few years ago. There you go. So what happened is I went and just tried to push the computer over, but the crappy design on my laptop is that right at the corner is the sleep button. So if you go to just push <laughs> the computer, like even like, like a micro inch over... It just goes, oh, you wanted me to turn off? Okay. And then it turns off. All right. Tom J. Wild wrote in on the Twitter, uh, hey, cooking issues. Uh, given I have some downtime, I want to make masa out of corn rather than the whole wheat that I currently use. By the way, wheat, real messy, hey, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, the issue is I cannot get non-chicken slash fish feed dried field corn here in the UK. Should I use this? Hope you and your family are safe. Uh, thanks, Tom. Yes, uh, we are safe, but bored out of our skulls. And you, here's the issue. So, um, first of all, you can make masa out of popcorn. The issue with popcorn is, is that the uh, popcorn varieties that they sell in the store are designed to have a very, very tough seed coat. Uh, and, you know, so that you get better explosions. And so uh, they are consequently harder even after you make masa. But they can't, you can make masa out of popcorn if you can only get a hold of popcorn. It's, I've done it. It's, you know, not ideal, but it's possible. Um, as for feed corn, there's a, a couple issues with it. First of all, like the corn doesn't care what it was intended for, you know, the corn itself, right? And since, uh, you know, I don't really, you know, care about whether or not it was GMO, et cetera, et cetera, like just take that where it is. The main issue with feed corn versus human corn is one, it's going to be a lot filthier, so you're going to have, uh, you know, a lot, I would guess, that it would be a lot filthier in terms of, like, eh, more rat poop, 
you know, slightly more rat poop, slightly more, uh, slightly more hair, slightly more, uh, slightly, you know, more raccoon teeth in it than you would get in, you know, let's say one that was destined for human consumption. Because, you know, if your chicken eats, you know, one more rat dropping or one more ra- uh, raccoon tooth, what does it really matter, right? One more pigeon feather. Um, so there's that. So you're going to have to clean the, clean the heck out of it. Uh, you know, and maybe do better sorting than you otherwise would. The other issue is, is that um, I'm pretty sure if I looked this up a little bit, but I didn't have a lot of time. If you look up in the U.S., right, uh, the, the question is, is how much mold can grow on the corn? So, and we, we have a question about this in a second. So, if you, if you, there are limits uh, for corn that humans are going to eat on uh, fungal contamination. And the reason is you don't want to have uh, aflatoxins, which are mold-based toxins on the corn. And they're hard to see, right? So you wouldn't necessarily uh, know. Now, the good news is if you were going to have that corn and it was designed to be fed to animals that people were going to eat, then it also has limits on um, on the fungus that can be in it, on the mycotoxins that can be in it. If, however, it's corn that is being destined for feeding to deer, or to wildlife that you're that aren't going to be consumed later by people then i don't think there are a lot of limits so you might have had corn that had been gotten wet and then moldy uh or you know any one of a number of things so if it was feed corn that was designed to feed to animals that people were then later going to eat or eat their products then i'd say you're fine as long as you give it a thorough uh wash down and it doesn't matter if it gets wet because you're not grinding it into cornmeal you're making it into masa and i would just sort through it to get rid of any additional uh, animal droppings or, or whatnot. Now, Neil, on a similar question from Los Angeles, wrote in. Uh, that's um. Remember that woman that did my hair when we were prepping for an event? It's her yeah. brother. Yeah. Ah, yeah. We met both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So we went to uh, we went to Night Market in uh, and we were doing an event at Night Market, a staff training, and, and actually a pop up afterwards, and. Uh, and so Jack and I were doing this staff training and Nastasia like it was like the hell with this what the hell is this so she goes next door to get her hair did and lady recognize your voice right yeah yeah lady lady recognize yeah lady recognizes Nastasia's voice well you tell the story yeah as she's washing my hair and then she's like do you have a podcast and I was like yeah and then she's like do you make the sears all? And I was like, yeah. And then (laughs) my brother makes me listen to the podcast and use a sears all. He's a huge fan. And then they both ended up coming to the, to the thing that night that we were doing the pop-up. Well, yeah, but she said she hated us. She hated the show and she hated the sears hates. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. But But I thought we we converted her when she came to night market, we converted her. No, no, I think she still hates the sears all on the show. (laughs) All right. Well, Neil, but thanks for still I got watching. My hair done? What? Isn't it good that I got my hair done? <laughs> uh, Nastasia, just because like something good happens from something doesn't mean that the original decision was a good Two one. Two good no. things happened. All right. Listen. So here's the thing. Uh, I was making cultured butter when disaster struck after three days of fermentation at room temperature between 55 Fahrenheit and 70 Fahrenheit. The top layer of the creme fraiche grew a little fuzzy gray mold and see the attached photos, which of course you guys can't see because you're on the radio and we don't have the photos on the radio. I used crappy store-bought cream and equally crappy yogurt as a starter. I scraped off all the mold and churned the butter. Uh, I haven't eaten it yet because I would prefer not to go to the hospital over some butter. That being said, I'd also uh, not to, I'd like to not waste the butter. Do you think it's safe to eat or would you feed it to your family? Thanks, Neil from LA. All right, Neil, I would not... Okay, look, here, here, a couple of things. One, one, uh, you're in LA, so I, I'm, not, I'm not supporting it as a great product or not, but if you need cream that doesn't have carrageenan in it to make butter with, or it's not carrageenan anymore, it's gelan, I'm pretty sure the Trader Joe's, at least on the East Coast, their cream does not have a stabilizer, gelan stabilizer in it, so that's one way to go. 
if you can, like uh, if you if you have access to uh, like the restaurant supply, like the ones we get from Dairyland, are also just regular pasteurized instead of ultra pasteurized, and you'll get a better result with the butter. But anyway, that's not what you were asking. Neither here nor there. I would not use yogurt as a starter. I would get some uh, cultured buttermilk and use cultured buttermilk as the starter uh, for it. Um, and then the last mistake that you've made is that it does not require three days of fermentation at 70. I'd bring it up to room temp, let it get a little warmer than that. And like one day max, really like in general, like 24 hours is all you're going to need. You don't need three days, uh, to get the level of tang. And if you do, your temperature is too low and you should raise the temperature. I would not eat it when there's mold on top. Once you get gray mold on top of your uh, stuff, especially in something that's a semi liquid, like just set clotted cream is, uh, the, the actual mold goes much, much deeper into it. So anytime you get a, a, a growth like that on top of a liquid, uh, you kind of have to discard it. So I would say I would, I mean, I would taste it because that's me, but I wouldn't necessarily feed it to your family. It's not going to be that kind of aflatoxin if there is one, which you never know, right? And, and it's impossible because there's so many different kinds of molds that grow. It's impossible really to identify a mold on something like that. But uh, because you didn't inoculate it with a specific known kind of mold and it's not you know, a known benign mold, you have to assume that it's not. Uh, and the other thing about it is, um, uh, well, I forget what I was going to say. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't need it. I would taste it for myself. Oh yeah, because the effects of aflatoxin aren't immediate and acute usually. They're kind of longer term. And so you never know whether or not that cancer that you get down the road is from, uh, you know, you never know what it's from, but every little bit of aflatoxin, which is, you know, many aflatoxins are known kind of very potent carcinogens, like every little bit kind of, you know, pushes you closer towards that edge. So I would not, I would not use it. And in the future, I would, um, I would uh, keep your, your times a lot shorter. What do you think, Stas? Was that right? This seems like an incredibly good time to avoid completely optional trips to the hospital. That is definitely true. That is definitely true. Um, All right. So, and speaking of also bread, right? Didn't we have a bread thing earlier? Uh, Scott writes in and says, uh, should I just read? I'll read the thing from Scott. So this is, by the way, uh, I was going to ask him to come on, but I didn't have enough time when I read this, but we could get... Uh, our friend uh, Jim Leahy back on the on the show, the only person who was completely unable to not curse for like the very short time that we we're on the radio. And uh, people who know me in the real life know I know how to curse. Nastasia, when I'm not on the radio, how how long a string of words can you and I put together without yeah. cursing? It? You and I are really bad cursers. It's just part of the language, but we really have mean, on here. Yeah, I mean, no, but I mean, like when you're when you're with us normally, it's like a like a like a burbling brook of bad blue, you know, words. Just you know, like like just like like in like I, I I'm not gonna you know I don't want to like toot our own horns here. It's usually directed at ourselves because we're like f yeah f yeah yeah, but also like you know I think we have a we have a, a talent a real talent for uh, combining uh, words and curses in unusual ways uh, to good oh. effect. This is, a, this is a skill that we have. You know what I mean? I don't, we don't use it on this radio program, but it is one of our known skills that, you know, that we can just sit there and, and occasionally... What you're saying? Only frat boy you're friends with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nastasia is the only fat boy. <laughs> so in general, like she'll use kind of like frattier insults than I will. But the, uh, I mean, on on many, many, many occasions, Nastasia and I will be talking, and someone next to us will just turn their head and be like, "What? What did you say?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's just like random people, right? You know, and anyway. on only one occasion has it ever been like, wow, I think I recognize your voice from that show. <laughs> well, if you well, let me out more, maybe. Yeah, well, you know, obviously, like, they, you know, they don't recognize it because, you know, they're like, oh, those guys never curse. 
And so, and so that can't that, be them. It can't be them because whoever that person is is cursing a blue streak. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, we can get Leahy on, but we'll have to like just pre. Or you could be on the bleep. We, really, we should really get him on because there's so many bread bakers right now. Be- because of the COVID? And because of- it's ridiculous. It's kind of gross. And since we can't have live callers <laughs> currently, we, you know, guests is, a, is much easier. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll diligently bleep him. We can do this. Yeah. Nastasia says people are baking bread. It's kind of gross. Kind of gross. What's gross about bread now? So do you do you hate this? So like here, so those of you that know me personally, I don't know if I've talked about this on air. Like I like, I think people should do yoga. I think it's great. But I don't like the yoga look on the street. For kind of because it's you're saying is the bread thing for you like the yoga thing on the street is for me where it's like someone's calling attention like me 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 like that maybe maybe I think this whole thing is just sort of the whole the um what are we in quarantine thing is kind of gross because people are like I don't know I, I I don't know how to explain it maybe I'll explain it next week when I wrap my head around it but there's a certain thing that I really hate about it. About wait, but I'm trying to figure it out so that people can get ready for your explanation next week. So it's just you, the gist of it is, you know, people are always like, I can't wait to Netflix and chill. All I want to do is Netflix and chill and like stay inside. And all I do is look at my phone and I hate work. And now everybody has the opportunity to stay home and they're like, this is awful. What the hell? When's this going to be like, you know, I want to be outside. Nobody's ever wanted to be outside. You know, like kids never wanted to be outside. They want to be on their phone. And now they're like, oh, why can't I go? Like, what? What? I just don't so, you're, so you're saying people got what they wished for and ended up hating it. And now they're like doing all these things like baking bread, which are things that like you would do or people who are more ambitious would do who like try to find the time to like do the stuff, you know, to like make the most of their life. And now all these people who really loved doing nothing are like, look at me, you know, they could have done that when we weren't quarantined, but they decided to watch a session. So all right, cooking issues, people. Uh, <laughs> f- discuss for next week. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dave, we should do classics because we gotta bounce. All right, I got one one other thing first before classics. One other, can I do one thing and then the classics? All right, all right, Eddie Danell, I'm eventually going to get to you on carbonation because there's someone on the internet who is uh, also building a carbonation rig and they're going to do some sort of blog on it. Listen. Ask me all the carbonation questions you have for next week. Everyone's carbonating now. It's part of the thing that they're also doing now that they're stuck home alone. There are some classic mistakes. Do not follow other people's mistakes who decided for like, you know, they decided one weekend that they were going to become quote unquote carbonation experts and they build some sort of janky carbonation rig and then they post it on the YouTube. Listen to someone who's been doing it for like 25 years instead. All right? Like... Like, all I care about is carbonated water and my family. And that's pretty much it. Uh, so, like, so like, ask me your questions, and I'm not going to lie to you. And when I tell you something, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. Also, realize this. If I say – if you give me a thing and I say I don't know, it's because I haven't tested it, although I've tested it in millions of other things. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you something makes a difference when it doesn't. That's just not my style. All right. So um, I'm not posting anything on – I haven't posted anything on Instagram really other than stuff for uh, our bar or anything just because, you know, this, this is going to sound kind of bad, Stas, but I feel like if I posted – like the, 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 the industry is in such a bad way right now. I mean, there is no industry. The industry is, is – is, been halted, right? And so many people are shafted that for me to post something on the internet being like, here's a recipe for blah, blah. To no, me, no, I, it, just it's- finished, I just finished the book about the man surviving the Holocaust and yeah. how you should not let guilt stand in the way of making yourself or other people happy. So just because other people are going through something unfortunate right now, you can contribute and make people happy by posting things that they would find enjoyable and could and could possibly turn their, you know, sadness around. So what's the difference between that and the Mario Batali cinnamon buns, or as we call them, apology rolls? Um, because you didn't rape women? 
This, this, <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. This, um, this <laughs> is not your fault, you know? This, so, like, do good and make people happy. All right, all right. So I'll talk about this real quick. So uh, for those of you that know, uh, I like non-melting, squeaky cheeses. We've discussed this. How, Matt, how many times have we discussed too squeaky many, cheese? Too many. Too many times. All the time. Right. So let's just go for one second. There's a kind of cheese that I, I, I made. I made it. I didn't talk about this. What do you mean, ugh? Go. Anyway. So uh, there's a Finnish cheese called Eustolepa, uh, right? Which, uh, but it can also be written the other way, like Lepa Eusto, which either means bread cheese or cheese bread, depending on which way you go. Uh, it's also made anywhere that there is like a, a lot of um, Scandinavian influence in the U.S. So they make it in Wisconsin and up in, in Minnesota. And it is a non-melting cheese, but it is very different from any other sort of non-melting squeaky cheese because to make it, you have to bake it, right? So it's literally baked as it's made. So very quickly uh, – in order for cheese to melt properly, and this is when people, you know, they add their salts, you know, their what's called emulsifying salts, even though, or melting salts, even though that's, you know, kind of a misnomer to things like processed cheese to, to get them to do, or when you're adding your white wine to your fondue. Nastasia, you got to do a fondue. For who? Oh, that's true. Do you know what's depressing? You know what I did recently? I had to, I went on one of these things where you just uh, FaceTime or whatever, Zoom chat like your family and we all sit there with a glass of wine in separate boxes and like look at each other. And I have to say, wow, that's depressing, huh? It's so depressing. I mean, people enjoy it. It, it was good to see to the people. Thinking. It was good to see people, I guess, but something about it, like, I don't know, <laughs> something about it, the virtual happy hour, something about it. Anyway. Um, so uh, you have a, it, when you, when you have a cheese, right? And you need it to melt. You need to have just the right amount of acidity. If you have, if a cheese is too acidic, right, or very acidic, uh, then it won't melt because you've so kind of glommed the uh, casing uh, together that you can't melt it to kind of break it apart. On the other hand, if there's not enough acidity, right, it also doesn't melt. So some cheeses that are high in acid, like feta or a lot of goat cheeses won't melt because they're high in acid. Whereas a lot of the cheeses that don't melt on the other side, like halloumi or uh, like this Finnish squeaky cheese or queso para friere, which is another, um, you know, which is kind of the Dominican uh, version of frying cheese, right? These things don't melt because they have a very high pH. They don't have any acidity. They don't have enough acidity in them to be able to melt. And so what you do with these things, and so when you're making uh, squeaky cheese curds, right, they are somewhat acidified, but they aren't they are so fresh that they haven't had a time for their pH to drop enough or for them to lose their squeak. So that's why they lose their squeak. If you make a cheese with a very high pH in it, you know, very low acidity, right, then it doesn't lose its squeak, especially when it's reheated, because you have deactivated the, uh, you've deactivated the culture. There's no culture either, in the case of uh, Finnish squeaky cheese, the Eustolepa, uh, there's no culture in it at all. You've not cultured it at all. So there, it's not the pH isn't dropping. It's not getting more acidic over time, especially because you're going to bake it. So what you do is you take your milk, you heat it up to like 90 Fahrenheit or something like this. You hit it with a lot of extra rennet because rennet, which you're, by the way, I went to Calustians and I'm not making a knock against Calustians, but they did not refrigerate their liquid rennet. I bought it anyway, which was stupid. This was before the COVID thing hit and I wasted two gallons of milk. Wasted. And then I ran a test on their rennet and it's just garbage. I wish Calustians would not sell stuff that's supposed to be refrigerated and not refrigerated. It really ticked me off because I wasted two gallons of milk and I lost the rennet. But modernistpantry.com, which is still shipping even during this COVID thing, gave me some rennet uh, that I, I use tablet rennet. Now the tablet rennet it costs more and it comes in these tablets, but it lasts a long time, doesn't need to be refrigerated. So it's good to use if you're going to like not refrigerate or if you're going to uh, order it over the internet. Anyway, modernistpantry.com. So I used a lot of extra rennet because I should probably tone it down a little bit. Set it, you cut it, uh, and it makes these clean curds. Then once you get the curds and you, weigh, you let them like self-settle into a, into a disc, you then put that disc on a rack 
in the, in the in your oven and you broil it and you literally broil it till it gets brown on both sides and the whey is streaming out so you have to have it over a pan so that you catch the extra whey but then that cheese is super delicious it's called bread cheese look it up very easy to make you just have to use extra rennet um and i like it because i like a squeaky cheese i like a non-melting cheese i like a, a baked cheese Save the way, which other people won't tell you on the internets. Save the way and make a ricotta. I made a delicious actual way instead of a whole milk ricotta with the leftovers that was also delicious. So that's that's what I've been doing during these COVID times. Um, anyways. Uh, oh, also, one thing to note. If you're like me and you're using um, store-bought milk that is homogenized and pasteurized. Make sh- milk. Why? It's gross. When did you start drinking milk? <laughs> Wait, we gotta, we gotta go. Hold on a second. Don't, so, don't uh, when, when, when did you start drinking milk? Anyway, uh, ah. calcium, calcium chloride. You have to add some calcium chloride because uh, you need to increase the amount of free calcium in the milk if it's been processed like this. You normally drink milk? Coffee in coffee. Oh, yeah. Well, I never drank milk in coffee. That's gross to me. I know everyone else loves it. To me, it's gross. Anyway, I do not love it. I find it gross. So wait, do I have time for my classics in the field? Quickly. Very fast. Classics in the field, yeah! We didn't have it last week, so this week we have it. This week is a classic, first published in 1985. It is the Razor Edge Book of Sharpening by John Jaranich. Now, this is the book when I first started uh, researching how to sharpen things way, 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 way back in the day uh, that I bought. It's uh, Now, it's written in 1985, so realize that it is uh, what we would like to say out of date. So if you go on the Amazon, uh, look, this is why it's a classic in the field. You're not like, you're not, when you read someone that wrote something a long time ago, you don't blame them for not being up to date. Am I right about this, Matt? Yeah, you have to read it with the idea that it was written in 1985 and then apply your mental knowledge of it to that. So John Jaranich was a barber in the Korean War and then later started a knife sharpening business where he began – the whole family joined in on this knife sharpening business where they would sharpen knives for food processing and then became a world expert on how to keep things sharp and how to sharpen them. So mainly his main, the main business – and you can still go to uh, their website. If you look up uh, John Jaranich – uh, Razor Edge. You can go to Razor Edge Systems. They still manufacture things uh, for, um, you know, for like meat processing companies. But the cool thing about both John and his son is they hold, wait for it, the world record, the Guinness World Record in shaving, shaving with a double bit axe. And so, like this guy's standard trick was to go sharpen his double bit, you know, lumberjack axe. And then shave off a giant beard with it. And there's a picture of him on the cover doing this. He's got his full flannel, his, you know, his beanie on, and a, and a, and a honking double bit axe. And he's just sitting there, and the hair is just flying off of his face. It's an amazing sight to see. But in this book, uh, he talks about a lot of uh, things and about how to sharpen all various different kinds of blades. And... This is, he got dinged about it. So, for instance, uh, one of the one-star reviews on Amazon, this book is sadly outdated, long-winded, and incomplete. It's long on folksy anecdote but short on useful info. Discussion of steel types is limited to two categories, high carbon and stainless. Author seems clueless as to why one, some, one sometimes holds an edge longer than another. This, this reviewer is an idiot. They can't look and see the, the gem, the classic that's here, and then use the knowledge that John Jaranich has given you from over 40 years. Even at the time he was writing in the 80s, over 40 years of knowledge on keeping things sharp, right? And then applying that to what we now know about new steels and technologies. This is a good book. I originally, when I got it, I was all nervous about sharpening knives and, you know, oh my God, how do you sharp? So like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't know how to raise a burr, read the book. If you don't know how, if you don't know what I'm talking about, raise a burr, I don't have time to tell you about this, but if you don't know about raising a burr or how to test sharpness on a knife, read the book. Now, he wants you to buy his, uh, his guides, which are a crutch. You don't need them. You can learn to freehand sharpen, right? But he made me not worried about using uh, oil on a, on a whetstone. He made me not worry about a lot of things. And he also talked about the, the, the fundamental thing, which is 
two different bevels when you're sharpening. So doing your first where you hone it down, pick up a burr on both sides, and then your secondary edge, which maintains a longer cutting thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the Razor Edge Book of Sharpening and realize that, yes, things have changed in technology in the past, I don't know, 35 years since Mr. Geranich wrote this book, but it doesn't mean that this is not a good basis of knowledge for what it means to keep something sharp. Stay safe out there, cooking issues. Issues is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.